Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The culinary landscape is ever evolving, so you should tune in every week because on this show, you'll hear from chefs and pastry aficionados, restaurateurs and food bloggers, enthusiasts, artisans, authors, and more. We dish on fabulous food and wine and spirits and travel and living the best life. So I don't want you to miss a delicious conversation with me. The most passionate food and wine lovers tune in. And if you are a food enthusiast, well, then you are definitely in the right place. I have had the privilege of 20 years in your radio, and I appreciate you listening all across the U.S. and Canada, of course. I'm always serving up seconds, by the way, at chefjamie.com, where you'll find rather a bevy of recipes. And my daily dish, often gluttonous, is on social media, so please become a friend and a fan at Chef Jamie Gwen. We have a full plate today. Coming up, J.J. Johnson, the extraordinarily talented, award-winning chef and author, and his love letter to Rice. It is a field trip, if you will, through one of the world's most versatile staples, right? And it's all about the culture that rice comes from and the culture that rice creates. Do you have a memory, a story, a recipe from your childhood, or do you make rice a particular way that is steeped in memory through your family or an experience or some spectacular travel? Well, we are going to celebrate the simple art of rice. Chef JJ Johnson is here this hour and you don't want to miss it. Also, we are celebrating craft cocktails made easy. Can't wait to tell you about Fresh Victor and the state of cocktails today. And what's hot, what's not, and what you should be sipping and savoring, of course. Um, H. Joseph Ehrman is here. He is um, a legend, a living one in the cocktail world, and we're raising a glass. But first, I like to kick off the show with a tutorial of sorts, one that makes you the best cook you know. And I am embracing fall because finally in Southern California this past week, there was a little chill Oh, I loved it. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the summer and I'm all about basking in the sunshine. But there's something about the change of season, especially for a Southern California girl, when you feel some change, you welcome it. And because football season is in full swing as well, I think that we should be building bigger, more beautiful bowls of chili, don't you? Now, although the origins of chili are muddy, there are two very basic elements that date back uh, very far, in fact, beef and chili peppers, and both of which have been uh, prevalent in the plains of the American Southwest. Now, the historical record has Texas cowboys cooking chili over campfires in the early 1800s. Um, Even today, the Lone Star State remains the spiritual home of chili culture. 
Chili is so simple to make, right? I mean, you've got to love it. It it holds beautifully. In fact, it only gets better with time, right? And it reheats well and it feeds a crowd. So it's maximum flavor, minimal effort. What could be better than that? Now, regional differences are what make chili distinct, right? Um, Californians like me have embellished the basic method. We added beans. Um, those from Cincinnati add cinnamon and allspice and serve it over spaghetti. And by the way, I love that too. But no matter how you eat it, the basic recipe, which is often made with ground beef, but today you can certainly substitute some sort of chili, tomatoes, onions, garlic, those all stay true to the Tex-Mex tradition. Now, Two varieties of dried peppers are my best suggestion to generate a chili that has a lot of personality and heat, right? So I like a smoky chili, like an ancho, um, and I love a rich dried chili, like a guajillo, and you toast the dried chilies in a skillet for a classic base to chili, and then soften them in hot water and puree them. And you get this beautiful paste that releases this intoxicating aroma and you get an earthy depth of flavor. Now that is for, I would say the chili connoisseur because many of us, and we're all short on time, but want it to be big on taste. We'll make a chili with chili powder. And by the way, that is just fine and acceptable and fabulous in my culinary opinion, humbly, um, I'll tell you, no matter which way you make it. But if you do want to follow tradition, that um, toasted, dried chili, reconstituted, pureed, and using that paste, think mole almost, is just the ultimate, right? Now, for chili heads... Some fresh chili has to be added and fresh jalapenos make your chili sing, right? You get peppery top notes and Southwest style lovers will add cumin and dried oregano. And if you are like me and you have a sweet palate, you will add um, a shard of dark chocolate or Mexican chocolate. And I think it adds just that, as the French say, the je ne sais quoi, like you can't put your finger on it, but man, that's good. So here are the basics to a perfect pot of chili, right? You need some sort of tomatoes, canned tomatoes and their juice for that hearty, liquidy, stew-like consistency. You want to choose high quality tomatoes. Don't skimp, please. Preferably San Marzano. Now the meat is traditionally beef chuck, It has great meaty flavor. It has internal layers of marbling or fat, right? Which keep the meat flavorful while it cooks. And you can ask your butcher to grind it fresh, or you can use ground beef or ground pork or venison or bison for a unique twist. That makes a really lean chili, a bison chili, by the way, that I happen to love. Now, There's fab chicken chili and turkey chili and chili verde made with pork um, and vegetarian chilies chock full of beans that I think are satisfying too. Uh, Dried oregano is a topic of conversation in the culinary world when it comes to chili because you get this lemony note um, that is a really nice complement to the chili powder. So if you're not using dried oregano, try it. And then, of course, there is um, ground cumin, as I mentioned, a classic chili spice in today's chili, and it's earthy and pungent. 
And then back to those jalapenos for a moment. If you want to add fresh chili flavor, you have a couple of ways to do it, right? Um, if you like it super hot, you add it with the seeds and the veins. And most often you take a jalapeno, cut it in half and throw it in and you get crazy, wonderful heat. If you want it, uh, toned down, take the seeds and the veins out, of course, and chop up that chili and saute it with the onions and garlic, right? And I think that if you spend enough time sauteing those aromatics, you get really good caramelization and you add some sweetness and a counterpart to the heat and it just all comes together beautifully. Now, I do believe that chili needs um, a little bit of chillax, I guess you could say. To use, to use a word less popular now than it was in years past. It needs a cooling factor, right? So you set out all those toppings, shredded cheese, uh, Mexican crema or sour cream. I like to add lime juice and lime zest to my sour cream. And sometimes I sneak in a tablespoon of mayonnaise. Don't tell anybody. It adds this richness to the crema. If you're making homemade crema, that's just fantastic. Uh, And it's killer, really. Fresh cilantro, uh, tortilla chips, Fritos, uh, chopped red onion, you name it, I like it. And for a snazzy garnish, by the way, I make um, peanut brittle in the microwave and I stick a big shard of it into the chili and it adds sweetness and nuttiness and it's just so delicious. You can search for the recipe at chefjamie.com. But I say think outside the bowl. Find a signature chili recipe that is a signature to you that you become known for and then serve it all through the fall because you will be a chili hero, right? Don't touch your dial because coming up, there's a lot more to chew on. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, Chef JJ Johnson, and the simple art of rice right after this. Don't go away. Informative, entertaining, and delicious conversation abounds. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. It's a love letter to rice. From award-winning author and acclaimed chef, J.J. Johnson, there is this most beautiful cookbook just released full of scrumptious recipes that celebrate the history, the versatility, the beauty of one of the world's most essential foods. The life-giving grain that is rice takes pride at the center of the table of 
almost every culture and all of the recipes from Asia to Europe, Africa to the Americas, the best of the world's favorite dishes are highlighted in this beautiful mastery of the art of cooking rice. And you know, JJ Johnson, the James Beard award-winning co-author of Between Harlem and Heaven, the founder of Field Trip Rice Restaurants. You've seen him on TV. You know him as one of the new guard of power in New York City Dining and Forbes 30 under 30. The book is a beautiful, essential reference that is pure comfort and culture. And I am delighted to welcome JJ Johnson to the radio. Chef, welcome for the first time. I am very grateful you are gracing my show. Thank you. No, thank you. And thank you for gracing me. Oh. Intro. You can introduce me anywhere. Okay, you I got it. So where do you want me to meet you? You let me know. <laughs> I'll be you. Don't worry. I'm going to drop you a note right after this. That's perfect. That I, need you. I love it. <laughs> uh, you took this glorious deep dive and there is so much passion in the book. And I love that you say that rice is culture. Can you explain, please? I mean, I think all of us have grown up on a rice culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, that's, if that's butter in our rice, if that's arroz con gondules, if that is biryani, if that's mm-hmm. Hoppin' John, if that's uh, red beans and rice, if that's red rice, if that's jambalaya, you know, I, I can con- consistently keep going on. Oh, bring on the tadik, please. Right. Uh-huh. Every, every, every region of the country or the world has a rice grain or a rice dish and that makes up people's tables and that makes up memory and that makes up your culture Mm. so i'm a big firm believer like if you want to learn about somebody's culture cook a rice dish and you will learn it Mm. um or go over to their house and rice will come on the table Mm. and that will tell you a lot about that family or where they're from Mm. or who they are yes and and there's a story behind it right like i told you offline Uh, I was raised with potatoes more so than rice, but I am a rice lover as is my son. And so now we're building our own rice memories, right? Mine has chili crisp in it at the table because it's quick and easy. Um, His is buttered and beautiful and he savors every grain. So I very much understand what you mean by every family has a rice culture. And there are thousands of varieties of rice. I mean, reading your book is a fascinating exploration into the idea that rice patties, and by the way, the labor of love that it takes uh, to process rice, per se, uh, is a testament to the fact that this is a world culture. Yeah, I mean, listen, women women have been processing rice for eons. Right. Um, that's why in the book I talk about rice as grandma grains and grandmother grains. <laughs> um, and, you know, that is the way, you know, to get the beautiful rice, that's what you have to do. Um, it, is, it, is, it is a labor of love. Mm-hmm. It gives you something very delicious and beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us are not used to that. Mm. Um, when we think about rice, we think about it as like this bleached and rich grain that's not good for us. And it, it is nothing like that at all. It is all the above when you get that beautifully um, labor of love milled rice from somewhere in the world or the country. Yes. Okay. So that brings me to ask you about your obsession with heirloom grains. There are lots of lovely rices, I suppose you would say, out there. Uh, but tell us about your favorites. Like what's your go-to? If I'm coming to dinner tonight... 
I wish I was coming oh, to dinner tonight. Oh, my go-to is Carolina Gold. Oh, there you my go. My go-to is <laughs> Midlands, Charleston Gold. Yes. Uh, Jefferson Red, uh, Bhutanese Rice, mm. Black, you know, Ch- Chinese Emperor Black Rice. Those are a lot of my go-tos. Um, but I'm also, you know, I love Blue Moon Rice in New Jersey. Um I love Luxembourg rice and California white rice. So there are so there's so much rice out there that's in your backyard that you don't know or realize uh-huh. that you can get your hands on. Yeah, you don't think about it that way. Like I talk a lot about eating uh, those things that are, of course, supporting local, but those things that are indigenous to where you are, like they say, um, eat honey from the area that you live in if you can find it, uh, because it allows you to build up. Uh, a resistance to the allergies that might challenge you, right? But if we challenged every great cook and food lover out there to go source rice from their home state or from an area near them or something related to their culture, wouldn't we just absolutely build a greater appreciation for what it is that is uh, local or preserved in that place where we live? Yeah, I, I would probably use the word preserved here. You know, when we think of, you know, what makes America great is our agricultural system. Right. It's the reason why we're rich. It's the reason why we can send food around the world. Right. Right. Um, rice was a cash crop mm. at one point. Is it a cash crop right now? Probably, yeah, maybe, depending on who your family is and how long you guys have been growing rice and what type of rice you grow. But, yes, if you know a duck farmer, there's rice nearby. Uh, if you know a crawfish farmer, they probably have rice on their, they probably have rice there. Yes. So as you go to farmer's markets or you start to meet folks in your neighborhoods or in your towns or in your state, you can ask around and you'll find rice farmers. Vermont has a beautiful rice farmer. He's known for growing duck, huh. um, cultivating duck. Uh, West Virginia has beautiful Lawanese rice farmers, right, wow. that grow Lawanese rice. Hmm. New Jersey has, you know, rice um, that I just mentioned. So there's places, Hudson Valley has rice. There's places in America that you don't think about when yes. you think about something else yes. that has rice. But somebody's a little bit nervous to just come out and tell you <laughs> about that rice because they know you're going to say, oh, my God, rice shouldn't cost that much money. Or does it take so long to cook or this and that? Because you've been, we've all been brainwashed around the approach to what rice should do at our table. Isn't that true? I love that at the start of the book, because I've read it front to back. Oh, and by the way, I have rabbit-eared almost every page of the next rice dish I can't wait to make. But you speak about how the rice cooker is the new toaster, right? You believe in a rice cooker. How many are on your counter? I live in New York City. I think if it won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, but we swap it out often with something new and fabulous, right? Yeah, yeah. I think if it won. And it's a small one, it's like a two-cupper or four-cupper. But it um, makes great rice, I have to tell you. Oh, I, yeah. oh I, I love a rice cooker. And I, and I love a pot with a lid, too. Don't get me wrong. And, and there's a time and a place for all of it. Okay, Chef, you're making me hungry. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, more on The Simple Art of Rice, a glorious cookbook from award-winning celebrity chef J.J. Johnson. Be right back.
We're back and we're dishing Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. If you've just tuned in, you're late. Chef JJ Johnson is here. Rice is culture. And his new cookbook release is all about the beautiful world of rice at the heart of your table. But I really love that you spoke about how, or wrote about rather, how the rice cooker has become an essential appliance. Yes, the rice cooker is a very common essential appliance. We yep. all should have it. It will help us. It guides us. I agree. It takes the scare out of it. And yes. also, like, even if you're a rice connoisseur, you're like, I want to throw some spices. Yes. I want to get, you know, I, I don't want to dirty all the pots. You know, I use it in throwing zatar and turmeric and curry mm. and all type of things in my rice cooker. I even put tomatoes on top sometimes, and they'll burst in there on top of the rice. You nice. get all that tomato juice. Ooh, yeah. So the, the rice cooker is just an essential. It makes your it, it makes cooking easier. Um, and, in, and in The Simple Art of Rice, my cookbook, there's moments where we're like, no, use a rice cooker for this dish. You could do that on the stovetop, but you also can do that in the rice cooker. to make. I want people to realize that rice is easy. It makes your life easier because you have all that leftover rice and you don't know what to do with it. I'm helping you now. I'm telling you to do it in salads and soups and the next day rice bowl. And brunch. And brunch and Brunch. dessert. And, oh, waffles, yeah. Right? Like you could do it all. So many applications. I love that. All right, let's dig in because I very selfishly chose all the recipes I wanted to ask you about. And I tried to uh, cross cultures, of course. Um, I would sit down to Filipino garlic rice every night. If I had the time, I just want you to know that there is something about the toasty garlic and the contrast to the rice and the book kicks off with it for good reason. Coconut oil is the base. Tell us about your version. You know, the coconut oil is, it would, would, you get that, you get that essence of coconut in it yeah. when you toast that garlic mm. and Leah Cohen, my dear friend, Chef Leah Cohen makes an amazing, this just very amazing at her restaurant, Big and Cow. And um, it, it, is, it is beautiful. Like, it is one of those moments where you're thinking about everyday rice, and I want to up my rice game. What can I do? You just throw some garlic in it. Yeah. And you put some coconut oil, because everybody's been using coconut oil in their hair. So now you're like, oh, my God, I can cook with it, too. And then it starts to bring your kitchen whole. It ups your basic pot of white rice. You have that beautiful garlic essence. Your whole home smells amazing. We all know what happens when you start toasting garlic at home oh. with some oil. Everybody starts to go crazy, yes. and that's what that rice dish does. Yeah, no, exactly so. And I love that it is a beautiful use for leftover rice. Whether you made a batch or you ordered Chinese food last night and the you know white car- paper container is sitting in the fridge, it's like... Um, new use for rice, and, and it's a whole new flavor profile, which is fabulous. Um, the Italians certainly um, were the smartest, I think, when someone said, let's call it arancini and use up the leftover, right? I, I will tell you, I am a sucker for a really good fried rice ball. There, there's just something about the texture of the crispy exterior and the creamy center, and oh, it's so good. You, 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 you made me think of so many things. <laughs> Hold on, why do you get so excited again? Oh, I, you gotta say that again. That was amazing. I got very excited about arancini because I think it's used common. It's commonly made with risotto that's left over, but I never had any leftover risotto. That's like having leftover. No. Who has leftover red wine? We don't have that in this house either. No. But leftover rice makes a rice ball that is delicious. I think the arancini is really great for like family. Like you make. 
you make the you make that base. You get your kids in the kitchen. They make some. They you got ice cream scoop or you roll out some balls. Nice. They bread it. The kitchen gets dirty. Later on, you put it in the fridge. You let it set. You fry it up. Mm. It's on the kitchen table, and everybody knows. Oh my God, we partake in dinner tonight. Oh, we partake in the mm. appetizer, or we're the family going over to somebody else's house, and this is our tradition now. And now we introduce them to what we love. And they're like, oh, my God, how'd you make this? It takes so long. It's like, no, the family of five or four or three or two, we did this together. So it's a great team-building moment. It's a great family activity. It's a great way to put down the phones mm. um, and the like tablets that. if you have young kids. Yep. My kids, I get them in the kitchen doing things like this. Um, and it also lets them explore uh, and, you know, counting, adding, subtracting. There's Smart. so many things here with Aaron Chini that I like that is a family affair. Smart. If you just tuned in, you're late. J.J. Johnson is here. Aren't we lucky? The book is called The Simple Art of Rice. His second release, much acclaimed, already a bestseller on Amazon, The Simple Art of Rice. It's all about recipes from around the world for the heart of your table, and it's about the culture that is rice and how every culture has a rice dish or many that celebrate the beauty, the stories, the memories uh, that we all grew up with, no matter how your mom or dad made rice. Uh, tell us about Poppy William, please, JJ. Uh, Poppy Williams is my uh, my my dad's father. Grew yes. up in Mississippi. Yes, came to Harlem. Was in the Vietnam War. Mm. Cooked really well. God bless him. I did spend some time with him. Things that he made that are always remembrance of mine is his uh, red beans and rice mm. and his smoked trout dip. Um, that he would make, or smoke white fish dip that he would make. Those are things that I reincarnate today. And, you know, I learned, like, a lot of things between Mississippi and Louisiana, you see see this very similar um, in the name of the dish, but you will see different ingredients. And in this one, he would have that ham hock rumbling in the broth to build that flavor to cook the beans in. And that's what makes the dish, like, phenomenal. You get that smokiness, you pull that meat off, you throw it in, Mm. and then you put, you know, the thing about red beans and rice, remember, the red beans are the star next to the rice. Or the rice is the star next to the red beans. Which one is it? And then that person mixes (laughs) it in. You don't pour it on top. Okay, so that's that's a personal blending. Correct. Okay, very good. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. When you talk about a ham hock, um, my mom made pea soup growing up, and it had to have a ham hock. Like, if there wasn't a ham hock that she, you know, couldn't find one or there wasn't in the freezer, there was no pea, There was no having pea soup. Like, there was no other way. And that flavor is so distinct. Um, I would love to hear about your experience in the shuck. Um, in Jerusalem, please, because you had in the shook, in the the shook, shook yeah. um, you had red rice. You know, the shook was an amazing place for me uh, next to Ghana. Mm. It was a moment of like seeing the four cultures that make up Israel that many people don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in the shook, you see, I saw a lot of rice, mm-hmm. a lot of celebration, a lot of old women cooking rice. Mm. Um, and, you know, this was one of those moments, like, if, if you know me, I'm an explorer, and I go out, and I'm talking to people, and this woman just hands me this rice, and I scoop it up, and I eat it, and joy comes to my face, and then I'm like, hold on, teach me. Oh. How does this work? Yeah. And 
they, you know, this is one of those things where it's, you know, this, this is my approach to it. It's not a classic, but it is a classic. It celebrates a culture. It's on a lot of people's tables. Mm. Um, I love and, red rice. And, and it's something I love. Now, listen, you eat the red rice from, from the Shuk, from Israel, and you're from the American South, and you eat red rice. It, you'll see that you'll see very similar. Interesting. You'll see some, some similar flavors. Sure. Are you using double concentrate tomato paste? I am. Oh, of course. All, all day, every All day. day, every day. Good. All right. Just making sure I'm on track. Um, I can't wait to make your crispy rice salad with the quick pickled onion because I am yes. a... I am a Tadiq lover, and if you can shortcut it, albeit I'll wait all day for Tadiq, but I love this idea of transforming the rice into a new textural phenomenon, and the liquid from the pickled onion just cutting through the richness, so good. I can only imagine. Well, listen, the, the fry rice, you know, you get the shallow pan. Yes. You have that, you have that rice it's pressed together. You rotate it and get it crispy on each side. Quick pickling is the way to go. Right. And then when you when you start to toss that hot, crispy rice together with that pickling oh. liquid with the onion that absorbs it, and you get the crunch, you get the onion essence, you get the vinegar base. Okay, bring it. And it, it, it is special. Yeah. No. It is special. It looks special. It sounds special. That's the first thing I'll make from your book, I, I will tell you. And, and I'm going to send you a note and show you how it turned out. It's from J.J. Johnson, and the book is entitled <laughs> The Simple Art of Rice. It is number one on Amazon, and you do not want to miss it. J.J., the James Beard Award-winning author of Between Harlem and Heaven, the founder of Field Trip, Rice Restaurants, and beautifully illustrated, by the way. You should follow J.J. on social so that you can see what he's cooking daily. You'll find him on all social media platforms at Chef JJ and the book on Amazon, The Simple Art of Rice by JJ Johnson. What a pleasure, JJ. Thank you. This what is a pleasure um, to be with you. And thank thank you. you for your kind words. My pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah, come back soon, please. The thank essential you. reference for rice uh, in book form. Don't miss it. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Grab a snack. Come on back. There's more fabulous food right after this. It's another delicious day, and so we're celebrating Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Do you want to up your cocktail game? Well, you should, because I believe one should never drink an unworthy cocktail. It should be well-balanced, not too sweet, sometimes sultry and smooth, right? And while I sometimes juice the fruit myself or infuse the jalapeno, I stumbled across this incredible line of very fresh, 
refrigerated cocktail mixers, and I can't get enough. I had to tell you rather all about them. No, I haven't poured a cocktail yet today. These cocktail mixers make life easy and seriously delicious. And so hello and welcome Fresh Victor, as they're called. They are a line of refrigerated fresh fabulous flavors for cocktail mixing. And at the helm of the company is a drinks industry veteran and a bar expert with over 35 years of experience. He is actually the proprietor of San Francisco's second oldest saloon. It's called Elixir, if you haven't been. And he is extraordinarily knowledgeable and internationally renowned spirits expert, judge, and educator. H. Joseph Ehrman is here, and we're dishing on cocktails, so you wouldn't dare touch your dial now, would you? I'm glad to talk talk to you again, H. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Okay. So uh, let's start at the beginning, right? We've been like muddling and juicing and slushing our own cocktails. And then along comes Fresh Victor for me. And all of a sudden I'm like drinking the cocktail mixer out of the bottle by itself, mixing it um, over ice and making mocktails, marinating chicken. I mean, y- you have created something fabulous. Thank you. Yeah, we're pretty proud of it. Yeah, you, you should be. Um, just give us a little bit of backstory on how Fresh Victor came to be. And who is Victor, by the way? <laughs> uh, two different questions there. Yes. <laughs> so the, the product was, uh, it came out of years of experience of working in the beverage industry. Actually, Ken McKenzie, the founder, is a good friend of mine, and we've known each other for a few decades. And his his backstory is that he came out of the tequila industry, and as he was building um, his last tequila brand, people were asking him for the opportunity to make, the, make drinks with their tequila. He realized that he was spending a lot of time uh, making the drinks and not really enjoying them <laughs> and came up with the idea of this concept of putting this mixer together that would make things faster. Go back for a minute, if you would. Talk about tequila. It's certainly a hot spirit right now. I just want to talk about with your finger on the pulse of the bar scene and mixology more specifically, um, what are you seeing now? Like, you know, end of summer as far as trends? Well, it's a- Tequila in particular is just so hot and getting hotter. Yes. You just open any trade magazine and you, you see the stats and the numbers and, and all the new brand, uh, brands entering the, the market. Um, there has always been, and I've been a big tequila fan since my early days of, of Elixir. Uh, I spent a lot of time in 2004 to 2010 traveling in Mexico, visiting distilleries, um, getting really geeked out on it and talking to the distillers. And the arguments back then for quality and traditional process versus more mechanized, um, you know, high-efficiency, lower-cost production processes was as relevant then as it is today. And mm-hmm. now that – but back then it was a geekier conversation because it was only these, these you know, small handfuls of top bartenders from around the world that were really getting into it. And now it's it's you know poured out into the public, and these celebrity-driven brands are kind of driving that conversation to the forefront again because there are, like anything, good and bad products. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to name any in particular, but 
like making anything. There's a fast way to market uh, with something that plays off the trend as the shiny new thing, and there's the right way to make something. Right. And when you're a connoisseur of anything, you can tell the difference. And well, so of as people get into it, they're figuring it out. Um, I think on the trend side, that is, that's huge. Like there's more, Elixir is predominantly a, I mean, it's a whiskey bar, it's a cocktail bar, it's a neighborhood bar. Uh, we're known for all of those things. And, uh, but our whiskey collection is, is obvious. You walk in the room and there's 600 bottles of whiskey everywhere. I will tell you, uh, you're onto something here. Um, the country knows it. And thank you for making craft cocktails easier at home, no doubt. Um, but for, you know, adding such fabulous flavor. I'm very grateful I stumbled upon Fresh Victor. And I'm very grateful for your cocktail genius. Um, so well, the inspiration you. that you shared, we appreciate your passion here. Fresh Victor is a line of uh, cocktail mixers, cold pressed. They stay refrigerated. Um, they are 100% fresh, made with all real ingredients, and I am slightly addicted. Um, clean label, cold pressed, high quality, perfect for cocktails and mocktails and more. You just have to check it out. I had to tell you. Uh, they're called Fresh Victor. Depending upon where you live across the country, you might even have them in an hour delivered via Instacart, uh, but you can always have them delivered direct to your door by going direct to their website at freshvictor.com. Is that right, H? Freshvictor.com. Yep. Exactly. This is getting the word out. We're getting out there slowly by through retailers, but definitely ordering through the website is going to be your fastest path. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of cooking and entertaining to our heart's content. At least I hope you thought so. Because a meal is a terrible thing to waste. You wouldn't Dare not tune in next weekend, now would you? More glorious guests and fabulous food, I promise. But don't go yet. Let me leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation for this week. I mentioned football in the open of this show. And yes, I do love to watch a game, but I love the snacks even more. And I dug up an old recipe. Um, it's kind of like pub cheese, but better. I'm calling it beer dip. Um, it has cheese in it, by the way, two kinds, in fact, um, and a beer. You could use non-alcoholic if you like. And then the secret, um, ranch dressing mix. Oh, it's so good. Please uh, don't judge, really. Um, pull out some pretzels and I'm telling you, uh, they might even miss a really good play because it is perfectly addictive, really. All right. I am posting the beer cheese dip, I guess I should call it, on social media at Chef Jamie Gwen. So check it out. Become a friend and a fan, please. And tune in next weekend when I guarantee uh, there is lots more deliciousness in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. Mm-hmm.